Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast, a podcast where we help you take your ideas from a dream to reality. Each episode will cover topics to help you overcome frustrations we all encounter in our maker community. I'm Trevor Wanamaker, a part-time maker running MakerExperiment.com, and my co-host Stephen Ellis is a part-time woodworker running Old South Woodcraft, and Martina Miller, who's a full-time maker running Naughty by Nature Designs. We've all encountered bumps and pitfalls along the road we call making, and we are using this podcast to help you avoid the same pitfalls. Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast for episode 43, where we're going to talk about CNC versus laser. And today I am joined by Chris from Tinker Workshop. How's it going, man? It's going good. So Martina and Steven are both out just because of the hectic weekend and whatnot and Mother's Day coming up. Yeah. All that jazz. <laughs> so how's your day been going? It's been good. It's been good. Busy at uh, job number three. Three? Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I've got uh I've got my full time, my side hustle, and then my freelance. Nice. Yeah. One day we'll get to dive deep into getting more to know or getting to know you more and the Tinker Absolutely. Workshop more. And I think this episode's gonna be really enlightening as far as your background and CNC and then the laser stuff on my side and yep. kind of helping people figure out what they need or what they might like. And I feel that this is the question I get most often. <laughs> and even I battled with back when I oh, started yeah. getting into this. Yeah, I think I uh I had researched a couple lasers before landing back on CNC. I think that's just kind of the nature of it. They kind of complement each other. Yeah. You almost need both. Pretty much. So what have you been watching this week? So uh my wife is actually out of the country at the moment. So I've been binging Umbrella Academy and actually just finished it uh last night. That's a good show. Yeah, I you know, it started off really strange, very weird. I agree. Um, <laughs> and then probably about halfway through I was kind of committed and then it just it got better and better and now I'm I, I want a season two, like right now. Yeah, which <laughs> I don't. I don't know if they've signed on a season two yet or not. I hope so. I hope so. Cool. Yeah, this week I just watched. Well, I watched it Sunday, but the most recent episode of Game of Thrones. Don't spoil it. I haven't seen it. Uh, but at, at least, least you watch it, right? I do. I d I do watch it. I'm not a a Game of Thrones hater. So now you have to give crap to Steven and Martina. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Sorry, you guys. You're kicked off. Chris is on here now. There you go. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but let's go ahead and jump into the topic. So sure. I own a laser. You own a CNC. Yep. I've gotten CNC work done, researched both when I was buying one. Have you had laser work done and also researched both? I have not uh, had any laser work done, but I did research it probably about a year and a half ago. My shop burned down. Oh, man. Which definitely was not fun at all. But, you know, on the flip side, I've got a great shop now. But anyways, uh, when that happened, you know, I was researching machines that I could potentially work with. And it was a, a comparison between both laser and CNC for sure. So I did I did a, a little bit of research in that. Only a little? Only a little. <laughs> is it is a little couple weeks, couple months? Probably a couple weeks. I mean, I had a, a background in CNC. Okay. So I was already kind of leaning more towards that, but I'm a technology geek. So whether it's laser, 3D printing, CNC, you know, any of those kind of things, I love the idea of having all of them right now, even though I know I can't. So I kind of research and dream a little bit and then get back to what i'm doing similar to what i did yeah we just chose the opposite machines <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we jump into materials mm -hmm. and this one i feel this kind of drives a major decision or is this i guess this is more of the decision point because overall this is probably the biggest factor that plays into this as far yeah. as at least in my opinion 
I don't know about yours. Yeah, I mean, whether whichever machine you're going with, I mean, you've got to really think about what it is that you want to do. Yes. You know, and then, I mean, materials definitely play a big factor in, into that decision making. In this case, both machines work with a variety of materials, and we'll name a few on here. There are lists on the internet if you just Google, but it's important to make sure that you research what you want to work with, and that's kind of where we're going to run this down. So why don't you go ahead and start with the CNC machine side? With CNCs, probably your number one material that you're going to use it for is wood, especially most of us uh, in in this maker community. That's that's kind of the big one, but you know, you've got hardwoods, MDF, foam, acrylic. I know big box stores sometimes also stock PVC sheets, three quarter inch PVC. I've I've worked with that. Non-ferrous metals like brass or aluminum you can cut, carbon fiber, quite a lot of materials that you can work with for sure. And the important thing here, I think, is CNCs have, well, let's call it a larger Z-travel as well as, I guess it's not totally the Z-travel as much as the Z-cutting depth. Correct, yeah. Because it's based on your rpms and your feed rates and your bits and everything else and your gantry height whereas the lasers most of it comes from the wattage and that's what kind of dictates your thickness and we'll get into that yeah on the laser side you still have a lot of materials you can work with there's a few that you can only engrave and there's a few that you can cut or engrave engraving wise you can do glass so you see a lot of those people getting champagne glasses for weddings and whatnot Mm -hmm acrylic wood you can do both like sheet goods and hardwoods but you have to resaw them to thinner sheet there's paper cork there's like a magnet material that's really thin and i think this one is important the tumblers because if you want to go into business and you mainly want to do cup engraving i think you already know the decision <laughs> the decision <laughs> Uh, but yeah I, th- I think we were talking about this yesterday i can do that on the cnc i mean i can get a fourth axis and throw it up on there but you know i'm using a diamond drag bit mm-hmm. to basically scratch it you know i, I mean the laser is going to beat out there for sure and there's things that the laser's not as good at on the cnc side which is why i think they complement each other so well I, th- I think they do too and you'll have things you can do mdf you can do some foams, so there are certain ones that are laser safe. And one that I came across recently is apparel, like people engraving blue jeans or sweatshirts, which is new to me. I haven't tried that's it That's interesting. And leather, so a lot of people use leather. But cutting-wise... Oh, that's right, yeah. So cutting, like you can't cut glass, but you can do acrylic, wood, paper, cork material, magnet material... The foams, some MDF, some leather. And these lists that we've given are not all-inclusive. There's still a lot on both machines that you can work with. I think these are just the common ones in the maker space. Yeah, for sure. But one thing you absolutely should never cut on a laser are things like carbon fiber or PVC or any other material that gives off toxic fumes when it's cut with a laser. And most of the time, if you go to some suppliers... They can tell you if a material is laser safe or not. Now, if you go to Home Depot, they're not going to know. But if you went to like a laser supply shop or a CNC supply shop, they should be able to tell you. Yeah, I was actually um, at the where I was at earlier today. Fire Marshal there does uh, Kydex holsters. Okay. He was working with a laser guy and um, they they were like, nope, we don't work with Kydex because of, of the toxic fumes from it. Yeah. And I've been asked to cut carbon fiber before. Like, sorry, not not going to happen. (laughs) But let's get into some details about the cutting, because I think this is where the uh, majority of people would probably be using either machine, at least in our space. Right. I mean, yeah, there's engraving, but yeah, I think the cutting is what's going to make them Mm -hmm. make you drift one way or the other. Yeah. So uh, with a CNC, I mean, you're going to have different bits. You know, they're going to look like your standard router bits, but instead of a high-speed steel, they're they're solid carbide bits. They come with a flat bottom, a ball nose, or a rounded bottom. They're tapered. I mean, there's it's kind of endless and all different diameters. I mean, I personally have 
down to a one millimeter diameter bit, which is pretty dang tiny, all the way up to an inch and a half wide bit that I use to surface with. Okay. There's quite a lot of options out there when it comes to bits. And it also uh, it also plays into the material that you're trying to cut. You know, there are specific bits that are designed for cutting brass, for cutting acrylic versus wood, even as specific as cutting plywood so that you don't get tear out on both the top and the bottom of the layers of the plywood. So and roughly what's like a range bulb i mean i know that it varies widely yeah but on average what does a bit cost for an entry-level person that wants to get into this i would say you're looking between 25 and 50 dollars for an average bit okay yeah that's kind of what i had in mind and they they go up from there i mean i've got a what's called an insert bit so it's a 60 degree v bit but it's not a solid bit it has a knife that goes into it so i when i replace i just replace that knife once that gets dull versus the entire thing and that was probably 125 bucks but the replacement knives are much much cheaper so in the long run you're saving money yeah that makes sense yep on the laser there's only the beam right so I'm not going to get into the details of how it all refracts off lenses and mirrors and whatnot, but you're basically limited to that beam. So you can adjust the speed and the power, but that the beam is the beam. You can't change the shape of it, really. Like, you can alter how it gets refracted off the mirrors and whatnot, but ultimately you're getting like a 0.02 inch, maybe. I, I forget the actual curve of it, but it is like paper thin. It's super small. And that that's kind of where you're going to differentiate the most between the two is one has a bunch of bits that can do a lot of different things. And then the other one has a laser beam. Yep. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too. Like you said, you know, the, the laser definitely has a very tiny curve to its cut. You know, CNC, you've got to factor in if you're cutting on the inside of a line. Say you just have a square in the inside of your object, those inside corners are going to be left with a radius on them. You're never going to get a sharp corner on a CNC, except on an inlay, which we can talk about later. Yeah, because that's more of, you're altering it with the uh, V-bit, right? Correct. So you can give the illusion that it was cut to a point, but it's really exactly. angles coming together. Yep, you're using a V-bit to cut a specific profile, and the the machine knows to when, when it gets to that corner to essentially raise the bit all the way to the point of that bit and you get a nice fine detail out of that. Awesome. Well, on the laser side, like you said, it goes to a fine point if you want it to. And it can do like a really acute angles. Like if you wanted to cut a two degree, you, you probably could. Yeah. But there is the downside of what depth you can go right so depending on your machine wattage and the speeds and powers you run the machine most lasers that are 60 watts or under and i would say even probably in the 40 watt to 60 watt range maybe 30 on some manufacturer machines you can cut up to a quarter of an inch so if you want to do half inch three quarter inch thicker stuff you can make a template and then do like a router a flush trim router bit type of situation Right. which I've done, and that's how you can get by. But if you want the machine to be able to cut thick stuff, the laser is really limited to about a quarter of an inch. Well, I would say in the wattage range that most people in our space would be able to afford. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's lasers that can cut through steel, but that's <laughs> out of the price range of most of yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd say probably the thickest that I've cut on the CNC is, I would say, close to two inches thick. Yeah. I had a big slab that I was cutting on, and that was it was about two inches. Big difference between a quarter and two. <laughs> yeah. So what about the... So you, you'd have to occasionally change bits during a job, right? Yeah, it depends on what I'm doing. Say I'm engraving signs. I can set that up for basically a two-bit process where... I've got a large bit that hogs out flat areas, say in text, 
mm-hmm. um, and then come back with the V bit to clean up all the corners and all the detail. So that's where you're going to have a bit change. I do that as well when I uh, engrave branding irons. You know, I go through with a two millimeter bit to clear out as much first and then go back with the V to do all the detail. Yeah, and we can be clear that you don't have to have bit changes sometimes. Yeah. But if you want to go faster. <laughs> sometimes I get lazy. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to do one. Yeah. But, well, especially if I'm doing repeated stuff. I was doing some production run of engraved signs, and I might do the same sign over and over again. But to kind of limit the bit change, I might do V-bit, quarter inch, quarter inch V, V-bit, quarter inch, quarter inch V. Like, back to back you don't have to always start with the same bit for every cycle makes sense so try to get some efficiency out of it yeah i think that all comes with getting to know the machine Mm -hmm. having time on it and figuring out what works best i mean they're both a learning process yeah it's gonna take time so let me ask you this with the laser so can you so you're what i would consider my z-axis my vertical Mm -hmm. can you raise or lower that essentially your focal point yes but not okay. typically while a job is running. Okay. So there is a 3D engraving, but it, it kind of it just works differently than it does on a okay. CNC. But typically you have the ability to alter the Z height when you, I mean, because obviously materials are different thicknesses. And in, in my case, my bed can raise or lower. Okay. The actual laser head or the, the lens head doesn't move. It's the... The bed that moves now on some it is the head that moves instead it just okay. depends but it can move but it's typically not while it's running the job gotcha so you could engrave something that's nine inches thick like <laughs> you could put a big box in there and engrave just the top of the box gotcha it just depends on the machine you have neat awesome so that kind of leads us to like the 3D side. On a laser, you can do 3D engraving. It takes a little while to do it. And I would say overall that how a 3D engraving looks on a laser is much different than how a 3D engraving would look on a CNC. Because on a CNC, you don't really get a color change. A laser is more of a color change. Right. And I think that, that the aesthetics of what you want your end results to be will also kind of drive some of that. Because some people like the burned look and some people don't. Right. Now, when you say 3D engrave with the laser, mm-hmm. does it? that's more of a engraving a three-dimensional object versus creating something 3D, correct? I haven't personally done the 3D engraving, so I, okay. I can't speak 100% to it. Okay. But it will do like 3D type engraving, but okay. also remember that your material is only so thick. So the amount right. of 3D you get, like you can't go from an eighth of an inch to two inches. Like you You're not doing big topographical No, not <laughs> <things>. at all. <laughs> yeah, if you if you want to go do your river table and you want to do it on a CNC, yeah, that's yeah, probably where yeah. you're going. Yeah, I've done done a little bit of 3D work at a past job of mine. I had a, a full 4x8 CNC, all the bells and whistles, and uh, I did a lot of 3D foam work, just regular white EPS foam and you can you know with the software you import a 3D model one that you've created or one that you got off a website or something and you can pop that in there and it'll run the tool pass for you and you could do one-sided two-sided now I've seen you know with with the fourth axis the rotational you know kind of my my mind saw that as oh I can it's a CNC lathe it basically is yeah but you know I saw even you know say like a a figure of a person you know but they had that on the rotational axis to get all of the sides done three-dimensionally and it it is kind of endless in in what you can do i think that's the beauty in either machine is you're only limited by your imagination exactly because even if you buy one of the machines you can still find ways to do a lot of things the other one could you might just have to do some of it by hand exactly or with other tools but that being said i mean i love my robot helper (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't complain yeah it kind of just runs i mean it doesn't ask mine complains a little bit and mine makes a a bit more noise than yours does oh my exhaust fan makes noise (laughs) But these, uh, they both kind of operate off, at least the cutting side, off of the vector format. That's correct, yeah. I mean, I primarily design an illustrator. 
mm-hmm. and I can send it straight over from that. I know people that have used VCarve Pro, they've used whatever comes with their machine, like mm-hmm. Easel or Carbide Create. I've seen people use Fusion 360 for CNC stuff. So when it comes to the actual machine paths, I know a bit of the background, but why don't you talk a little bit about the CNCs? For me personally, I mean, I've I've got a background in CAD, so nine times out of ten I'm designing whatever it is in AutoCAD. But if I'm working with maybe text or an image somebody provided, I'm I'm throwing that in Illustrator to extract create vectors with. And that imports right into the CNC software, whether it's an Illustrator file, a DWG file, DXF. Uh, mm-hmm. kind of your standard vector formats and then from there you're you're programming uh with a cnc you know we'll just say if i'm cutting out you know a square i can tell it whether i want to cut on the outside of the line the inside of the line directly on the line and that adds flexibility in whether you have inside objects outside objects if you're going to engrave typically i'm seeing that a lot on guitar templates you know there's a lot of internal cutouts those engraved lines for center lines and then the outer shape so i'm taking those files and telling the machine where i want it cut essentially yeah i mean mine cuts on the line (laughs) yeah (laughs) you can do the inside or outside but you have to actually alter the design file by offsetting it inward or outward versus yeah you have to create new geometry you can't you can't just say hey take that line and go outside i mean the the bits only so gotcha. or well it's on a bit it's a laser so it's only so big and i mean when i do my signs i have to offset stuff all the time but the thing that varies for us is when you engrave you still engrave off of a vector platform whereas Correct. when i engrave if i raster engrave cuz you can still vector engrave but if you want to raster engrave it's going to work kind of like an inkjet printer. It's going to go back and forth and back and forth. And it's really time intensive on some projects. So if you do those laser engraved photos, which I haven't actually done one, but I've estimated the time to do one before in the past, and it can take hours. That's why I never got into it. I tried to do the same thing on, I can do something similar on my CNC. It's basically creating a halftone image. Mm-hmm. You use a V-bit and it, it varies the depth. So the wider wider the hole the darker the area is essentially and you create a half tone but i mean i was calculating the time on that and one image was like four or five hours yeah it's kind of absurd it is (laughs) but when i do it the only real time that i vector engrave is if i'm doing like an outline of something Mm -hmm. like i don't want it filled in i just want the outer border right because it's fast it can vector engrave pretty quickly and you can alter the settings and as far as engraving in general the laser kind of disintegrates the layer it, it's not doing like sawdust like a cnc would or right. wood chips or whatever it basically burns it off mm-hmm. which is why you see the color change so some some good lasers you'll see you'll see the color change but it won't be like burnt and then you'll see some cheaper lasers that the color change is burned so (laughs) it's it kind of depends on the machine just burn it all it depends on the machine and your settings like if i wanted to make it look burnt i could make it look burnt yeah but i don't but you can do you know slight color changes and i mean overall i think engraving wise they can both do similar things it's Mm -hmm. just a matter of the depth you want it to be yeah the detail you want that kind of stuff and what you're engraving because some things you can engrave on a cnc you can't do on a laser and vice versa yeah i've been i've been playing around with engraving lately uh actually just broke my bit unfortunately but i got one of those diamond drag bits to play around with engraving and they're really good for harder materials like engraving acrylic aluminum i did try it on steel steel is where i broke it but that's because I ran off the edge of the material, unfortunately. Well, the machine really isn't totally rated for steel, is it? It's not. So if I were to try and cut steel with my carbide bits, I mean, the machine is strong. Don't get me wrong. But you want to be using a, a coolant a, to keep that bit from overheating and also to keep sparks down. 
metal on metal like that, it just, it, it's not good, especially on a, uh, you know, a small shop CNC router. But the diamond doesn't do that. It basically, it just scratch and graves okay. um, the metal and there's no, there's no friction or no, um, no spark from that. So, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. But, you know, for engraving on a CNC, you have numerous options of bits and materials and techniques. And, you know, it's kind of whatever you're jonesing for and whatever you're trying to accomplish. There's a, there's a different way to, or many ways to accomplish the same task. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we've covered a lot of this stuff that, well, the, the notes we have. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, <laughs> So we, I mean, we've talked about things we're just now getting to in the notes, but <laughs> cutting corners, like we said, material thickness and yeah, some cutting corners, CNC, it's up to the bit laser. Mm -hmm. You can go to a point if you wanted to the machine depth, a CNC can machine a lot thicker stuff and the laser can machine a lot thinner stuff. So that's one thing I don't think we can discount either. Right. Because there's certain, like I can engrave paper. Right. And I can take a piece of cardstock and stick it on the laser and engrave a white piece to brown and have a cool design. Yeah, I'm but I can't that. put a three inch thick thing on there. So <laughs> I think that's also a differentiator is you can cut a lot of thick stuff and engrave a lot of thick stuff and I can do it on the thin side. <laughs> so Exactly. It's like polar opposites when it comes to that. It is. It's just, you know, it's playing to the strengths of, of the technology. Exactly. Yeah. And with mine on the laser, because it's non-contact, I can just throw a sheet in there and the exhaust fan, if it's thin material, it will actually kind of act like a vacuum and pull it down. So it kind of keeps it flat. That's nice. It doesn't always do that. It kind of depends on the thickness. So like a piece of paper, it's fine. But if it's a warped board, it's not like a vacuum table. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but on a CNC, because you're having that contact, unless you have a vacuum table. Which I'm you, working on. Yeah. So, so you need to clamp it, right? Yep. So you have to also make sure your material's a little bit wider than whatever you're doing, just so you have that space to clamp to. Yeah. That's, that's a, a big challenge for people is keeping the material down and secure. I mean, there's clamps that clamp from the top down, clamps that side clamp it. I'm working on some stuff for my machine right now to be able to just side clamp because if I've got, you know, say just a piece of raw wood, you know, right from the mill, I've got to surface that down. I can't have clamps in the way, especially I have, yeah. I have steel clamps. So those guys, mm. they don't move. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I've seen the side clamping system you're talking about. Yeah, so they they can be very handy. And then obviously a vacuum table, which would suck the part down and hold it without any physical clamps around it. So. Okay. Well, and yours, when you're running jobs, your control parameters are really the RPM and then the feed rate, right? Yep. Yeah, your RPM, your feed rate, or how fast the machine is cutting through the material, and then your depth of cut, you know? basically dependent on the material i'm not just going to go and hog an entire inch of material at a time you know Are you sure you don't want to stick a piece of aluminum on there and just go hog wild just go for it <laughs> it's like go bigger go home uh -huh. break break your bit five seconds in oh man you know we're taking baby steps you know if i'm doing three quarter inch material i'll probably take two passes through it just to make sure i've got not so much load on the machine on the bit and it depends on the material as well. Do you leave tabs when you... I do. Cut stuff out? I love tabs. Mm, well, you should. Tabs yeah. are amazing. <laughs> so for those that don't know, say I've just got a circle I'm cutting out. If I just go ahead and cut that whole piece out, as soon as it gets to the end of that cut, it's going to break loose. And there's potential that it's going to knock into the bit the bit could grab it and throw it all things that are damaging to the part to potentially you so tabs are things that you can put in the program and you know say on a circle i put four tabs and in, in those certain spots that i programmed the bit will raise up come over and back down and leave a tiny bit of material there so that when it finishes the job it does not move out of your larger piece 
and then usually just cut that out with a either a knife or a small saw and then just take it over to a flush trim bit on the router and it knocks those tabs right off yeah i've seen people try to do it without the tabs I've, which is i've done it because yeah, then their piece will lift up and it'll bind or it'll just shoot across the room so th- if you do get a cnc make sure you learn how to use tabs yeah i think it's one of the more important things it's a it's a very useful feature and you know and sometimes it de- depends on the project but i've gone through and i've added tabs to a, a spe- specific piece and then I've created a secondary toolpath that just comes down and cuts those tabs out. And pretty much I'm running that secondary program manually. You know, uh, um, it's independent of the first uh, toolpath. Yeah. That way I can be there to hold the object in place. There's, there's a, I mean, been less than a handful of times I've had to do that, but it's doable. Yeah, mine. I mean, I just cut all the way through. The whole way. Well, la di da. But I have like a burned edge. Yeah. If it's wood. That's if true. If it's acrylic, it's like flame polished, which is kind of nice. That is nice. I I mean, I can cut acrylic, but I do have to go back with my torch and flame polish the edges for sure. That's one thing I do like is I'll, I'll cut a piece of acrylic. And then actually I have I have one here. But uh, when I look at it, I get super smooth and it feels like I stuck it against yeah uh, like a flame and just kind of let it yeah that's you know, nice. melt itself which if you i mean you obviously don't want to walk away from either machine while they're running correct i've heard on other podcasts and talks and people talking even at workbench con they're like yeah i leave my machine and i'll go like run an errand never ever ever leave your machine running while you are not watching it yeah because that's exactly how fires get started or things get broken and it can be very expensive errand that you just ran. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, I've had that happen. I had an office uh, at a previous job where I had that large router and you know, I guess that's kind of the good thing about CNC's is they make noise and you, you learn, you learn to understand what's a good noise and what's a really bad noise. And I, I can tell you on more than one occasion running out of my office after hearing a very bad noise. So you want to definitely be, I mean, you know, you can be getting other things done. That's kind of the point of having that machine is so that you can be freed up and multitask, but you don't want to. I just think as long as you're in the same room. Yeah. Or at least close enough that you're checking on it every few seconds. Yeah. Like, if you're leaving the room, don't leave for, like, more than a minute. Now, I mean, I have a detached shop, so, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have a restroom or anything like that out there. Well, yeah, I mean, for the... But I do have, I have a camera in my shop, so that, uh, and it's pointed directly at my CNC. So if I do have to come into the house real quick, I at least have a video, a live video feed going of it. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and a laser, it doesn't really make any different kind of noise unless something like i guess horrendously bad happened (laughs) but if a fire starts in your laser you're not going to know unless you're there yeah or like some sensors start going off but usually the fire is already starting to start like it's already kicking in before yeah it's it's too late at that point (laughs) yeah depending on the machine because you can attach lasers to CNC machines that are pretty low wattage. But if you have a dedicated laser, it should have a... I can't even say that because some hobby entry-level lasers, you have to hit an e-stop. Like, if I go outside, I can either hit the power button or I can just lift the lid. As soon as I lift the lid up, the power source shuts off. Okay. So the machine can still, like, the head can still move, but it won't do anything. Right. Which is the quick way to stop it if something starts to happen. But my advice is be careful. Don't walk away for too long. Yeah. I mean, you can be in the shop doing other things. Just periodically look over and make sure everything's okay. Inlays. Yeah. So I would say that if you're doing cutting board inlays, CNC is probably the way to go. Yeah. Or furniture inlays or, you know. Inlays are fun. I've I've been doing a few more of those lately and especially using a V-carve technique. So a regular inlay is basically just a, a pocket that is a, a your female pocket 
that you've cut out and then you've got your male part that just locks right into that the the problem that i have with traditional pockets uh, or traditional inlays like that is you've got to set up a tolerance it might not fit right you're cutting mm -hmm. and recutting uh, that v-carve technique it pretty much doesn't matter it finds level and and is pretty much dead on every time but with that you you know you're using a v-bit you can use I mean, any degree you want i typically use a 60 and you can get some incredible incredible detail out of it that is just beautiful on a laser you can still do inlays it's more the tolerance side so if you're doing the same material and you're just painting it and making the painting look like inlaid which is the majority of my signs it's honestly you can do the inlay at the same time you're cutting this all the pieces because the kerf is so thin that once you paint them and everything, it looks like there was very minimal kerf to begin with. Right. And you actually kind of want that because the kerf you're going to see is going to be black. Right. So it kind of highlights the inlay portion. But you can do different materials. My dogs are going crazy. <laughs> you can do different materials and inlay them. But like you said, you have to kind of account for, even though it's a small kerf, you still need to account for it. And the laser manufacturer can actually tell you what the kerf is. Like, if you Google it, you'll get different answers. Right, yeah. So you actually need to ask your manufacturer what it is. Yeah, each machine is going to be just that slightly different. Yeah. Yeah, I I really like the way the CNC handles inlay. I mean, you once you've got that in there and you send it down, you can run your hand over it and you if you closed your eyes you'd think it was one single piece of material it's it's really exceptional that's one of the things that almost drove me to cnc yeah was cuz i saw a lot of cutting board inlays at the time this was back when they were first starting to get popular <laughs> uh before you know river tables and all this epoxy stuff but the the inlay can be done but one thing that i found inlay wise that a, a lot of laser people seem to do is in like watches oh. or guitars because you can cut really small pieces and i find that there's quite a few people doing like inlay designs for watch faces or they'll do like intricate inlays for parts of guitars, whatever it might be. So it's not that you can't do it. It's just a different application and a different strength. Yeah. So like you probably wouldn't do a cutting board inlay on a laser. You could if you really wanted to and you resawed the hardwood thin enough to do it. Right. But like you said, it still has that tolerance type of stuff that you have to deal with. And anything off, you'd then have to fill with, you know, sawdust and whatnot. <laughs> but after machining, so when I'm machining something, I can take it off and go directly and start priming and painting and whatnot. But I leave the black edge as an aesthetic part of what I do. Okay. So I know some people don't like the black part and they try to paint over it. Personally, I think it adds depth to it, and it helps it kind of pop off as a second layer to each their own. Yeah. But I can cut something and take it out of the machine, and it's pretty much ready to use in some application. What about you? Well, for me, I mean, there's there's some definite cleanup afterwards. You know, you're going through and... You know, just a light sanding, you know, say I'm doing MDF, I might cut, you know, whatever it is I'm cutting out and I'll take the palm sander real quick before I even pull it off the machine. Just hit it with like 220 to kind of knock that edge off a little bit. But yeah, there's there's always some kind of cleanup involved. You know, if I, like we said before with tabs, you know, if I've got tabs, I'm you know releasing that from the main part, taking that over to the router table with a flush trim knocking those off just making sure everything is nice and neat so there is definitely some post processing that needs to be 
done once you've cut your material before you can start diving into if you're doing just a natural finish or paint or whatever it is that is going to be your end result. I guess I've had the benefit that I've done a lot of laser stuff, but I've also outsourced to CNC. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've done a lot of the cleanup and I've done a lot of the... Usually I do the design and illustrator and then the CNC person does the program. Right. I kind of have the, the two sides. But the I think the biggest driver of all of them is the cost. <laughs> which you want to talk about the cost (laughs) oh my gosh i get i get this question all the time yeah i would say if you're trying to get into either one minimum you're going to spend a thousand dollars at least an entry-level cnc is going to be at least a thousand dollars and that's going to be your hobby grade cnc something like the x carve or shape oko you know there's tons of different ones out there i mean there's mini mills etc i mean those are diy there's there's some complexity to them but you're also i mean you're you're learning you're learning about what makes that machine tick for sure but i would consider that a lower cost i know for some people a thousand dollars is might sound like a lot of money but in in that realm it's it's not it's pretty inexpensive and you know at that cost at least on the cnc level you're doing routine maintenance probably on a daily basis tightening belts you know just to keep it within a a good tolerance to make things well for a thousand dollars you are investing in a robot to do work for you Think of it that way, yeah. and then a thousand dollars doesn't sound so bad next to a three thousand dollars saw stop. Yeah. In my experience, you can get into CNC at a much cheaper price point. Yeah. I would say a good entry level laser, like I put in the notes, like three thousand dollars and up. Yeah. But the more I think about it, I think even the low end ones, unless they're from China, like if you go with the American distributed Chinese machines, like Full Spectrum or Boss or, well, even now, like you have Dremel mm-hmm. machines and you have the Glowforge, which uh, was in Seattle. Even those, I think, start at four or five once you get everything you need. Yeah. So you're talking a 4x <laughs> cost difference? <laughs> yeah. So four times the cost to get into lasers it is to get into CNC. And you and I kind of talked about this from a... So you have a 2 foot by 4 foot CNC, correct? Correct, yes. So you have a 2 foot by 4 foot CNC. I have a 28 inch by 40 inch, so just shy of the 4 foot. And the cost difference between ours is about three times. Yeah, I think I, I, think that's what I, I honestly couldn't believe that. <laughs> so I get a lot of messages where people will say, I really want to get a laser. I I want one your size. I want to do do what you do. Yeah. They, so they're like, I want to do stuff similar to what you do. I don't know if that's because they watched what I do and that's what drove them to that or they always wanted to do it. And then they just happened to see me and wanted to ask questions. I don't know. Right. But then the first question I ask, and this should be the first question everybody should ask, is what is your budget? Because they will say they want the moon and the world and the whole universe. And then they say their budget is $1,000. Well, I'm sorry to tell you that you can't get into laser Yeah. at a... I'll give you a little lunar rock. That's about it. You, you <laughs> could get something from China. Yeah. And it's going to be, like you said, a machine that you will learn how to maintain. Mm -hmm. You will learn the ins and outs. And it's going to be because it forced you to. And I mean, there is value in that. There is. There is. You can learn a lot. My first machine was one that I had to maintain constantly. And I despised it at the end of it. (laughs) But... But there's one thing that you can also do is look on Craigslist, you know, even maybe Facebook Marketplace. I don't know. Maybe. But every once in a while, you'll see some of these like used full spectrums or used bosses or like any other laser company. You'll find used ones out there. Mm-hmm. And you can get some from China that are probably around a thousand dollars. It might maybe even less. But the the things you want to pay attention to, I think, when buying a used machine, period, is make sure you inspect it. The community around it. So even if you start with a cheap machine, if it has a good community around it that knows how to troubleshoot stuff, you're probably fine. Yeah, I think that was one thing for me for that hobby grade CNC was the community behind it was people sharing their 
I mean, whether it was failures or success or they modified this and did that, like just in, in the maker community alone, how supportive people are. And then you get even specific as CNC or laser and they're still a tight knit group, which is fantastic. Yeah. With the cost and everything, it is, in my opinion, if you want a machine to learn about either CNC or laser and you want to do the hobby projects and you want to do the one-offs, maybe your kid's school project with them. The entry-level machines are fine, and they're great. If you want to run production, if you want to run it for two to three hours even a day, which is low-end production, you're going to want one that you don't have to tighten belts and you mess with things constantly. And that's where you're going to run into these tiers. So the CNC, you're kind of in the under $3,000 is kind of the entry-level, right? Yeah. Or am I off on that price point no i think you're you're on on that and then i'd say maybe five to like 12 or so is kind of like your midline machines some are capable of low end production but some of them can run for hours when you get to the higher part of that range but yeah you start hitting that that 10,000 range there are professional machines out there that are capable of a full production workload yeah and then i mean anything above the 10 12 mark you're yeah you hope for production (laughs) yeah and you're not just getting a giant paperweight yeah and then laser i would say anything below 5k is probably entry level even right at five to six is probably entry level i would say anywhere from i would say that's hobby is below 5k yeah if you want to get into low-end production like you want to be able to run every day, but you don't necessarily care how fast. You could probably do production for like, you know, 7,000 or so, but it's going to be lower speed. If you are wanting like a, a good entry level machines for epilogue started around like the $8,000 mark, I think. Same with Trotech and Universal, I believe. Actually, there might be some Universal that are cheaper. And then you get into the mid production which is going to be i would say the 10 to 20 and then if you want a large bed size and you want production and you want speed you're looking 20 plus wow it's it jumps significantly yeah my first ever machine was definitely a hobbyist one i could sell stuff with it but the like it would make a keychain in maybe four minutes the last machine i had which was an epilogue mini which is in the mid-range production so it's not the entry level it's the middle line for epilogue okay and it was a 12 by 24 and it was a 40 watt and it can make a keychain in about two and a half minutes and a quarter inch that's including the engraving and the cutting okay and then the same design on my new machine which is a 60 watt and it's like a bigger bed size you can do two feet by three feet a little bit longer and i can make a keychain in about a minute wow so you're talking significantly different yeah. uh, speeds at times. I think that's one thing that if you're doing this as a business and you have the money. Now, I get that you're doing it as a business and you still have a limited budget. Any machine is better than none. Correct. Because you're learning, you're getting to know it, and you can still outsource to other people if you need the speed. If you have the money and you know what you're wanting and you have some experience in it already, which is what I did. I built up the experience first, and then I pulled the trigger. (laughs) I can tell you now that that was probably the most terrifying and best decision for the business I've ever made. I mean, things I used to outsource that would cost $200 for somebody to make me, I can make myself for the cost of material and time. Yeah. Which is easily half of that. And that's one of those things where if you're investing in it, there's, at least in my mind, there's two schools of thought, right? You get a lot of machine for not a lot of money, but you may be taking longer to do things. So in the long run, it's going to cost you more. Yeah. In the short run, it's going to look like a deal. Yeah. I mean, I... Vice versa. Yeah. I mean, my hobby grade CNC... I could I could make a branding iron on it. I mean, I I pushed that machine and I could cut brass on it and make oh, a yeah. branding iron. However, it might take 3 hours. On my current machine, I can do that same branding iron in under 15 minutes. Yeah, big difference. Big difference. <laughs> same bits, same material, but get that strength, that robustness, you know, the spindle is 
stronger, you know, just like having a higher wattage laser, uh, you're just able to go harder, faster. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest benefit of getting into the more expensive machinery is your job speeds. Yeah. Because you're talking like the machines that are actually in production facilities at high-end companies. Because I, I know for a fact that the old version of the machine I have now is at Woodpecker's Engraving Squares full-time. Those kinds of things are the differences. And I'm not trying to push people one way or another. Like, your budget's your budget. Yeah. And I don't recommend you go beyond what you're comfortable spending, period. Yeah, and like you said, even a budget machine is a machine. Yes. You know, you're getting that experience and you're getting, you know that practice and that learning out of that for sure. And I mean, I learned on a imported machine and then I also outsourced at times and learned from the person I outsourced too. So if you don't have a machine, which, you know, not everybody can afford one, but you want to get into it, which a lot of people do, mm-hmm. there's maker spaces. A lot, I think every maker space has at least one of those machines, if not both. Yeah. If not both, and a couple 3D printers, they're they're usually pretty well stocked on those kind of machines. The only downside is you might have to wait, which, I mean, yeah, there's probably, if it has one, it probably only has one or two. If you look at some libraries, because some libraries in certain cities have these machines too, which was new to me. Some of them might have like X cars and things. There's still libraries? <laughs> yeah, I mean, people read. People read? I, th- I think it's just becoming a makerspace. <laughs> the other thing that that I promote is your fellow makers. So if you have somebody in town that does it, ask if you can go over and watch, ask questions. I, I'm perfectly fine at answering questions people ask me. I try to be open about it. If I don't have time, I'll be up front with you and say, look, I, I just don't have time right now, but later on. And see if... You know, they'll allow you to come and watch or learn or the better yet, offer to help them with something if you want to learn. They're more likely to do some like give you advice and help and whatnot. Yeah, I always tell people like, hey, you know, if you want to, you know, whether it's CNC or just general woodwork, I'm like, bring a project, you know, like think of something that you want to make and then we can go through that process. You know, I'm kind of open the same way is love what I do. And I like to share it, you know, if somebody wants to, you know, come by the shop, I'm more than happy to to have you buy, you know, we'll make something, we'll tear something up, just have a good time. Yeah, and I like the project one. Yeah. The biggest thing with that is, like, I'm perfectly fine if somebody wants to come learn do a project, teach them something. Totally cool with that. Yeah, because in the, in the end, I mean, you A, you've learned something, and B, you walk away with something. You've got, you know, there's an accomplishment there. But also, I would say, like, if you want to do a project, offer to bring the material oh, for yeah. it and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. So, so I've had people, like, I've had people come, like, I've used scrap material before, and that's not a big issue. Right. But not everybody has scrap material around. So at least, like, bring the material with you if you can. For sure. Or offer to pay for the material so you can do it. I mean, you also have to consider that they're taking time out of their machining, which costs money in some cases to some people. I was fortunate enough that the person I learned from, I could buy him a beer and he would spend an hour with me. Wow. Like, Yeah. So I learned a lot and I'm, I mean, I'm still good friends with him. And I still ask him questions and we exchange ideas. So that's the thing you can get out of this is if you offer to help and you offer to do projects and you work together, you can learn a lot from each other. You can help each other and you can help each other get better. Yep. Absolutely. So it makes a big difference when people are willing to help each other and not just being jerks to each other. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and you could realize too that maybe this isn't what I want that's okay so that's a really good point right because you don't want to spend a couple thousand dollars to find out you hate it yeah and i actually didn't own a laser until i already had a year of experience designing for and running my friends so there are points where you know maybe you don't have a way to get access to one otherwise but you don't want to drop a bunch of money and find out you despise it either so one thing you can do even remotely is ask people to do like design calls or something and 
kind of figure out how to design for it and then maybe pay them to have some things made and see if you enjoy designing it because then the person can say well why don't you take a crack at designing the toolpath exactly or why don't you take a crack at designing the file and then i'll show you what i had to change if something didn't work my point being you have to be willing to put in the work if you want to learn one of these machines i never suggest if you actually want to buy one one day and you start outsourcing don't send your design and forget it like if you want to learn and you want to be able to get a machine later it would be in your best interest to send the file and if they're in town Say, hey, when you get ready to do stuff with it, can I come and watch and see what you're doing so I can learn so that I can better design for the next job yep. and the next job and the next job, which is what I did. And I said, this is what I had trouble with. Can you please tell me how to do this? Because then I can do it myself and I don't have to have you design it later. Yeah. And just that one or two things that I was taught early on increased my speed of design at least two or three times because it was something stupid simple but i just didn't know how to do it even scouring the internet i couldn't figure out what it was because it was something very specific to what i was doing yeah and the thing that i find about graphic design which is what most people use to design for lasers is that they're graphic designers and not designing for laser (laughs) yeah designing for the machine is definitely its own thing oh by far you could generally design for CNC and laser the same way. Yeah. But when you get to going to take it to a machine is where they split. Yep. Because I can hit print directly from Illustrator. Oh, wow. And it'll go right to the laser. Whereas you have to do the tool pass yep. for what you're doing, which is also different. So in the end, which should you buy? Which is the question I get pretty frequently. I don't know if you get this question. I get it in what type? You know, I'm not necessarily getting CNC versus laser, but, you know, hey, I have the opportunity to get this machine or that machine. And and people are asking for advice on that. Yeah, I get that pretty frequently. But the other thing I get is I'm looking at a CNC or a laser. Which should I buy? And I think we just based on both. this whole episode, the answer is both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you can afford both. Open your wallet. Both. I would say look in your area, first of all. If everybody in your area has a CNC and you have the budget, get a laser. Yeah. Because you're immediately the guy with the laser. Vice versa. If everybody in your city has a laser, get a CNC. But the thing that I found was there are people in town pretty close by that have 5 foot by 10 foot CNC machines Mm. that are production level. But nobody really had a large format production level laser, which is part of the reason why when I made the decision to get either a bigger laser or a bigger CNC, I chose the bigger laser because I knew somebody in town that I could outsource bigger CNC stuff to. That's true. And I also knew that I would could become the person that people go to for the laser stuff. Yep. So that's something to think about when you're doing this too is creating that market the people around you have yeah well creating the market and creating the network yeah and making friends with those people you know yes exactly helping them out they help you out and networking friend you know work back and forth i mean that all goes a long way yes it does there's still times that i will get people saying hey so-and-so has a laser go over to him or hey i can't cut this on mine because it's slightly too big can you put it on yours exactly those are the kind of relationships you want to build the thing that i would recommend if you get a machine regardless of what you get is be open to helping other people get started and be open to helping other people with jobs because down the line they're going to remember you as somebody being helpful when a bigger client comes along and you don't want to be the person that was a jerk and didn't want to help them at all yeah which the good thing about the maker community, I think, is most people are pretty open and helpful. I'd say 95% of the time or more. Yeah. I mean, there's always the one or two, <laughs> but that's with anything. Yeah. This should be a good starting point, I think, for people. I think so. I mean, I you know, there's definitely a lot of differences, a lot of similarities. You know, it comes down to 
preference. It comes down to what you want to make, whether you want to really learn what every part and piece goes into it and, and how to how it runs or just be up and running right out the gate. There's there's a lot of variables, but in the end, like you said, it's you know, if everybody's got a CNC, there's no reason to add another one to that market there. Vice yeah. vice versa, you know, you've got to really look at, at at what it is that you're wanting to do, and you know, make a decision from there. And you know, it's not necessarily a bad decision or a good decision. It's a decision that brings a result, and you can always change it somewhere down the road. Yeah, I mean, you can always sell it and exactly try the other yep. one. Yep, it just depends on. I would say your interest and what you find more appealing and where you want to go. And if you don't know, I, I would say, like we talked about, go to maker spaces or mm-hmm. local people and yeah, reach out to somebody. And, and I mean, I'm I'm even more than willing to over Skype or something. You want to see if you don't have one in the area, you know, I can easily walk somebody through what it takes, you know, to operate a CNC. Yeah, same here for the laser. It's it's one of those things that you need to do your homework. Yeah. I don't think many, I mean, people do impulse buy them. But I don't think it's something to be impulse bought. Yeah. I think it's something that you really need to look at what you want to make. If I mean, if you don't know, research. Yeah. And ask questions and, like you said, try to get experience with people and go from there. and. You you don't have to pull the trigger quickly because even if they have sales, I mean, there's going to be another sale eventually. Yeah. And some companies don't do sales at all, so you're not missing anything. I want to thank you for taking time because it's nice to have another robot person. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Martina has a CNC too, but Steven does the hand tool stuff and it's... We're all in different worlds, which is a good thing. Absolutely. And that's what makes, you know, networking awesome is all of us having different skills and being able to bring different things to the table. Even at WorkbenchCon, you run into a whole bunch of people that even if they do laser stuff or they do CNC stuff, it was still rare that you found somebody doing exactly what you're doing. Correct. Yeah. Which is really cool. But yeah. And also, um, if you want to get into designing for CNC or laser, there's websites that have like samples already designed that you can kind of study and see what you have to do. So like Epilogue has a sample club on their website where you can go download stuff for free. Thingiverse, I think, still has stuff for CNC and laser. I mean, there's all kinds of websites if you just Google free designed yeah so why don't you go ahead and shout out your social media pretty much mostly active on instagram the tinker workshop t-i-n-k-i-r which uh corresponds to my last name kircher you can reach out to me uh the tinker workshop uh or chris at the tinker workshop.com uh and also my website the tinker workshop.com awesome yeah Thanks again, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This was fun. I think we're going to have to do some episodes that are machine specific. Like, you already know you're getting into CNC. Yeah. Intro to that. Already getting into laser. Intro to that. Which we've kind of done in the past, but I think it needs to be more what kind of machines you should look at when you're getting started. Yeah. Which I think is the next big question people are going to have. Yeah. You know, what, what brands, what companies that you recommend that you've had good bad experience with things that you should be looking for in those manufacturers etc yep so if people want to hear that let us know uh you can reach us on all our social medias martina steven or myself or at maker vision podcast so until next time thank you again and i'm sure we'll be talking on instagram (laughs) (laughs) sounds great every other day yeah pretty much (laughs) All right. Have a good weekend. All right, man. Thank you for listening to today's show. As a continued listener, we greatly appreciate your feedback, your input, and just downloading the episode every week. If you're a new listener, thank you for hopping on, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
And we also hope that you continue to join along with us every week as we'll put out new podcasts covering all sorts of Maker's topics. Also, be sure to check out MakerVisionPodcast.com where we'll post valuable resources, tips, tricks, and Maker swag, including stickers because, you know, makers love stickers. And we'll do this to help your Maker Vision become a Maker Reality. If you have any questions, suggestions, or any general input about this particular episode or previous episodes, you can reach out to our podcast email at makervisionpodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach us on our Instagram, and that's makervisionpodcast. Even better, you can reach out to us directly through my personal Instagram, that is Old South Woodcraft, Trevor's personal Instagram, Maker Experiment, and the personal Instagram of our newest co-host, Martina, at Naughty by Nature Designs. She also runs the Maker Vision Podcast Instagram account, so if you have questions, you can reach out to her either way, and she'll be happy to help. Also, if you really enjoyed today's episode, or even if you didn't enjoy, enjoy today's episode, let us know. Give us a review. Hopefully it's a five-star review to show us that, hey, we've been doing good, but if you didn't, tell us what you didn't like about it because we're happy to hear from you either way. And once again, thank you for being a listener, and we hope to see you next week. 